Praise God. Well, how many of you know of us know that Jesus didn't come to give us a religion? Jesus never came to give you know, many people when 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 God or Jesus is mentioned, they ask the question, What religion are you? I've had that I can't tell you how many times somebody people, as soon as you mention God or Jesus, the first question they have is what religion, what religion are you? And you know, they associate God with religion. But if you read the Bible, God's not about religion. It's not, it's not in the Bible. Religion is the devil's scheme to distort the truth of the gospel. That, that's, the, that's, the enemy's, that's the enemy's scheme to distort the truth of what the, word of, of what the word of God says. And to live for Christ the way the Bible requires us to live and commands us to live is going to require more than just religion. Religion's not going to make, you're not going to satisfy God uh, with religion. So many people are coming to Christ, and when they come to Jesus, they say, I can't, they say, I can't live this life for Christ. And you know what? They're right, you can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't do it. That's the problem. You're trying to live the life for Christ on your own. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul understood that when Jesus was on the scene, when he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior, Paul understood that two people can't occupy the throne. Only one person can. So Paul understood, I have to die. I, I don't, he said, I no longer live. Christ now lives in me, the Bible says. So um, to live for Christ and do what he has called the church to do will require power outside of ourselves. It's going to have to be a power that supersedes me and my flesh and my reasoning and my, and my understanding and, you know, the go witness. You know, that, that takes a bold step. You know, and I, I remember the first time I did that. It was petrifying. You, you know, you, you're knocking on someone's door. You've never met these people. You don't know what the reaction is going to be, but you're, you're, going, you're going in the name of Jesus. And uh, so that's going to require more than just religion. Jesus himself told the disciples this in Luke 24, 49, before he ascended to heaven. He said, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus was speaking of the day of Pentecost. And I'm starting a series today, a three-part series called the day of Pentecost. And today's message is the coming of the Holy Spirit. The coming of the Holy Spirit. And I was telling my wife this, you know, I'm, it, it's amazing. We talk about the Holy Spirit a lot in the church, but we never really preach on the day of Pentecost. Now, we, we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but, but really Acts chapter 2 is, 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 is a very significant chapter in the Bible. And, and it's important for us to understand the significance and the meaning of the day of Pentecost. So, um, so what does our church believe about the Holy Spirit? And, and I'm sure you, you've had people maybe ask you about that before as an as a, as a individual Christian or maybe as you tell them what church you go to. Someone might ask you, what does your church believe about the Holy Spirit? Maybe somebody's asked you, what do you believe about water baptism? What do you believe about raising hands? What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? All, all those different things people will ask us about church. And our knee-jerk reaction usually is to answer well, this is what I believe, or this is what, th th this is what our church believes. But really, when you do that, you do, you do two things that I believe are wrong. You, you create a confrontation between you and the person that's asking you what you believe because 
What they're saying is, this is what I believe, and then they're asking you what you believe. So if you disagree with what they believe, then you get a little bit of friction there. You get a little bit of confrontation. The other thing that it does there, when someone asks you what do you believe, they may have already assumed or, or come up with a uh, conclusion of what they believe, so you share with them what you believe, and what, what ends up happening is the assumption is both of us are right. Both of us ain't right. Only God is right. And so we have to be very careful. So the response should always be, and I've said this to this church before, if anyone ever asks you, what do you believe about any subject, the response is never, this is what I believe. The response is, this is what the Bible says. And see, what that does is that removes the confrontation now. Because it's not what I believe and what he believes, it's what does God say. And then now it's not, am I right or is he right? Only God is right. See, so that should always be the response. And sometimes you have to check yourself and just wait a second, because like I said, the first thing you want to say is, well, this is what we believe. Well, it doesn't really matter what I believe. It doesn't really matter what you believe. It matters what God says. And this, this, is, what the, this is what the Bible says. So our sign on the front, our monument sign here in the front, and I, on, it says um, our church, is, it says spirit-filled, non-denominational church. That's what it says on the sign. Now, the tabernacle church is not spirit-filled because the sign out there says spirit-filled. We're a spirit-filled church because that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says about the church. So that's important for us to understand that. You see, the church, we need the Holy Spirit to accomplish everything that God is asking us to do. You, you are not going to be able to live this life for Christ individually or corporately as a church without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. So a lot of times when the subject of the Holy Spirit comes up, you know, people kind of maybe have mixed feelings or mixed reactions about it because maybe it's something that they, they've heard a lot of different things about and they feel a little uncomfortable with it for whatever reason. But there's nothing to be uncomfortable about. The Bible talks about and tells us there is a Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. And we need the Holy Spirit to live the life Christ has called us to live. To, to do all the things that God is calling us to do. The Holy Spirit is not optional for the Christian. You know, I've said this. I did a whole series, and I probably need to do it again on the Holy Spirit. And so many people are so misinformed about the, the meaning and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. But, but, but the Holy Spirit is not optional for the Christian. It's not like, well, you know, we, I don't see it the way you see it. I, I don't, this Holy Spirit stuff, I don't, I don't believe that. It doesn't work like that. It's not optional. It, it, the Holy Spirit is, in, is, is biblical. It's in the Bible. We are saved by the Holy Spirit. You, you cannot get saved without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We can witness to people. We can share the gospel. But the Bible says that the salvation comes in a person's heart when the Holy Spirit brings conviction that Jesus is who he says he is and that person needs to repent of their sins. That's a move of the Holy Spirit. When I got... When I got saved, when I really got born again at the age of 16, I was standing, I was standing in the middle of, of probably a thousand people. There wasn't nobody talking to me. The Holy Spirit touched me. I began to weep. That was the Spirit of God that began to convict me that I had to change. That was a move of the Spirit. It wasn't, it wasn't a man thing. It was, the, it was the Holy Spirit. So we are saved by the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. Humaning, human reasoning and intelligence is not going to suffice. That's only going to take you so far. 
But that's not going to be enough for us to accomplish and do everything it is that God is calling us to do. So you and I need the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, um, we're gonna, and I'm going to look at this for the next three weeks, and really you could probably spend more than three weeks on, the, on this chapter, but there's, there's so much there, and it's so important for us to understand this, but I'm going to look at the first four verses today. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I've always found this fascinating in, the, in, the, in Acts chapter 2 when it says, it says, when the day of Pentecost came. What, what is Pentecost? And, and I, I really thought that Pentecost was really just there for that day for the Holy Spirit but really, the disciples were there really celebrating the day of Pentecost that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And if you study the Old Testament, you will see that the Jews celebrated what was called the Feast of Weeks. They celebrated a Feast of Harvest and the Feast of First Fruits. And what it was, it was a time that they set aside, and when it was harvest time, they would honor God with the first fruits of their harvest and the first things of everything that God had blessed them with. And the the the, uh, the the Pentecost celebration began 50 days after the Passover, and the word Pentecost in the Greek means 50th. That's that's where you get the word Pentecost from. So it's important for us to understand that the writer in Acts didn't give the name Pentecost because the Holy Spirit came. The disciples really were there on the day of Pentecost. Do you understand what I'm saying? It, it that really was that really was a day. And the Jews were celebrating, they were celebrating, it was a day of celebration. It, it, it was a time for them just to rejoice and celebrate that everything that God had done for them as a nation. They, they remembered the, the, the deliverance from Egypt, the, the Passover celebration, the law that Moses had given the church that had set them really apart as a nation unto God was the, was the Jewish laws that God, that God had given them. All the things that God had done, they were celebrating these things. So now... The Bible says, now watch this. The Bible says, when the day of Pentecost came, guess when this day came in Acts? It was 50 days after Jesus was, was crucified and resurrected. Hallelujah. 50 days. Now, this stuff's not an accident. Now, other translations in the Bible says, when Pentecost was fully come. In other words, when, it, when, the, when the real Pentecost had came. In other words, it was what the Bible says, when the fullness had come. See, Christ fulfilled everything that the Old Testament had to offer. Jesus was a complete fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. Everything. You look at the Passover. The Passover celebration that the Jews celebrated for hundreds and hundreds of years was a, was a, was a picture of, of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Passover lamb. So now the Jews were celebrating, they're celebrating Pentecost all these years, but now it says when the day of Pentecost had fully come. 50 days. That's not an accident. The Bible says at just the right time, at just the right time, Christ died for us. People say, well, Jesus, you know, he was 2,000 years ago, he came, he died, and that was just like God just looked at the calendar and looked at the year and just said, Jesus, you're going to be born in this day, and it doesn't matter, we're just going to throw you out there, and this is the day you're going to die. No, it was specific. 
There was a purpose and there was a reason when Christ died at that. At just the right time, Christ died for us. And then the Bible says 50 days later, the day of Pentecost had fully came. So it's important for us as believers and Christians to understand this and not, not get sidetracked with the hype of the Holy Spirit, but to really pause for a second and study and understand the significance and the meaning of the Holy Spirit. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's important for us to understand this. So, so the, really, the day of Pentecost really was the birth of the church. It was, it was the beginning of the church. And, and the Bible says in Leviticus, they offered their first fruits unto the Lord when they celebrated Pentecost in the Old Testament. Well, what are the first fruits in the book of Acts? It was souls. It was the church being birthed. It was, it, was, it, was the, it was the beginning of the church in, in, in Pentecost, and, and that, that's what that was for. So um, it's important for us to understand it because we read this, and some of us quote these things and we say it, but do we really understand the meaning and significance of what that means? So, so let's look at this here and see what this says in these first four verses. In verse 1 it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So the first thing I see here is Pentecost is the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you read the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of John, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. He told the disciples that he was going to go to go back to heaven, but I will not leave you alone, Jesus said. I will send you a helper or, or, or a counselor. Here in, in John 16, it says, But now I am going to him who sent me. Now listen to what Jesus says here. None of you ask me, where are you going? They didn't want to ask me because they didn't want him to leave. Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, the Holy Spirit, now some translations there say, unless I go, the, it, it says the counselor. Unless, unless I go, the counselor will not be with you. Or some translations use the word helper. So he's a, it's a helper, it's a counselor, it's an advocate. The Holy Spirit, um, because he is, after all, Christ's spirit, is also called the paraclete, which is the, which is the Greek word for, for, for um, Holy Spirit. And if Ruby wants to put that up on the screen there, um, it literally means in the Greek word parakletos means someone who was called to come alongside someone else. In the Greek culture, a paraclete was like a family attorney. That's where you get the word advocate from or represent, represent or counselor. We, we, we call, our, we call our, our, our lawyer sometimes, that's my, that's my counselor. But look what Jesus was saying here. Jesus was saying, it's better if I go because I will, because I will send a helper or an advocate that will be with you. Now think about this. Jesus was in Jerusalem, okay? We're in Louisiana. If Jesus would have only been in Jerusalem, just, just would have stayed in Jerusalem, he would have not have been able to be in two places at one time. But now the Bible tells us since Jesus went back to heaven, the Bible says that Jesus sent us his Holy Spirit. That what? That Jesus can, can be everywhere in all places at the same time. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus is in every continent, every state, every heart, and that's what it is for your good. And the word paraclete also means someone identical or someone just like Jesus. So it wasn't like Jesus left and said, I'm going to send one that's, that's sort of like me. No, it is just as if we have Jesus Christ with us, the Bible says. 
Imagine this. So it's, it's, Jesus said, it's for your good. Be thankful that I'm going because I'm going to send you a paraclete. I'm going to send you a, an advocate, a, a counselor, a helper that is going to be not where I'm, I'm all these different places and you can't be with me everywhere I go, but the Holy Spirit can be with you everywhere you go. Be thankful. See, rejoice. It, just like the Jews celebrated Pentecost in the Old Testament, we should be celebrating Pentecost. It's God's outpouring of his Holy Spirit, the Bible says. There should be great rejoicing. So, speaking of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, Jesus said, this isn't on the screen, it says, but you know him, for he lives with you. But Jesus says, and he soon will be in you. In other words, the Holy Spirit was with you, but there's a day coming, the Bible says, when the Holy Spirit will be in you. That's what we're talking about. That's the day of, that's the day of Pentecost. So, Instead of the believer being afraid of the Holy Spirit, uh, and, and I was like that when, when we were in the, in the Baptist church, I, I wasn't afraid of the Holy Spirit, but then everybody taught a lot about the Holy Spirit. They, they, they taught about the Holy Spirit, but not, not in, in, the, in everything in, in the book of Acts, I can tell you that. And, and so it was almost like it put a little apprehension or a little distance between that subject, and it can create for some people, maybe a little fear, because we're not, we're not comfortable with that. So I'm here to tell you, remove the fear. The Holy Spirit is in the Bible. It's, it, it, it's biblical. It's, it's part of the Trinity. It's, it, it's, it's biblical, and we, we are spirit-filled. This church is spirit-filled because God says we can be so. That's what the Bible says. So there's, there's no fear in this. So the Holy Spirit was promised and given to us. Jesus promised. So so thank you, Jesus, that God didn't leave us alone. See, God had this whole thing worked out for us. That Jesus said, yeah, I'm going to go back to heaven, but I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to send you a helper, a counselor, an advocate, someone that would, be, that would be with you. See, the coming of the Holy Spirit, it's not based on religion. The Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus and was given and was poured out on the day of Pentecost. It's not a religious event. It's a promise of Christ that the Bible tells us. And, and, and it, came, it came on the day, on the day of Pentecost. So um, just as the Jews did, it was a glorious celebration of the beginning of the church and the saving of souls. We should be rejoicing. This is, this is God's, this is the birthing of the church that, that God has done for us. So we need to celebrate the day of Pentecost, to be excited that God that God has given this day and to understand the truly, the truly significance of, of that day. The next thing in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The next thing that we see here is Pentecost is the power of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is critical for us to see if you read that scripture verse there. It says, the scripture verse says there, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from where? It came from heaven. Amen. It didn't come from earth. It didn't come from man. It, it came from heaven, the Bible says. And, and we, need to, we, we need to understand that this power that is given to the church is not given to us by man. Our mandate is not from the government. Our mandate is from heaven. God, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, came from heaven, the Bible says. It wasn't, it wasn't religion and, and men and institutions and, and education. 
The Bible says it came, it came from heaven. The church operates in the power of the Holy Spirit, not the power of man-made religion. Our power and our mandate is from heaven. It's from God. The authority of the church is given by the Lord, not by the government. This is where people were really getting upset, and I was too, when they, when they started shutting all the churches down, when COVID hit, and they started to tell us that churches were, remember what word they used, what they said, churches are non-essential. The church is the most essential thing they'll ever be on the earth. We are essential. So I knew, I, I, I guess, I, you know, we all kind of maybe, I don't know if they fell for the trick or whatever, but, you know, we just like, this is all brand new, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what's going on. And my wife and I sitting at home and I said, stay home, don't go nowhere, don't, don't, don't leave your house. So we're sitting at home and we're feeling fine, everything's good. And I'm just like, what's going on here, you know? The church is essential, but the authority of the church is given by the Lord. It's not given by the government. Jesus said in Matthew 28, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Our mandate is from Jesus. Our mandate is from heaven. The Bible says all authority has been given to, to Jesus. And, and Jesus says that he's telling the church, now go. Go in the authority that I, that, I have given, that I have given you. All authority in heaven and on earth is, give, is given by the Lord. The Holy Spirit is given, is given to empower us to live for Christ. That, 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 that's the power that we receive is the Holy Spirit inside of us to live and do the things that God has called us to do. We can't do this on our own. The, the flesh will never want to do what the Spirit wants to do. You, you need the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you for God to communicate you and teach you and show you and tell you the things that God wants you to do. It will not happen apart from the power of, of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, a, a lot of people think that, you know, the church is, is called to be in rebellion, like we should rebel against the government. I don't believe that God has called us to, be, to live in rebellion, but I do believe this. God has called us to live in obedience to what the Holy Spirit says, not what the government says. So if I'm obeying God, if I'm obeying the voice of God, and that is, that, that is rebelling against the government, then so be it. But my mandate is from heaven. It's not from government. We need to understand that. that G Jesus has established his kingdom here on the earth. So, so the Holy Spirit... Was, was, was poured out, and the Holy Spirit is the power. That, that's the power that God has given us to live the life. So it's not like, well, should I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Should I have the Holy Spirit? I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. We can't live this life without the Holy Spirit. Okay, that, 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 that's what the Bible says. So that is so important for us, for us to, to comprehend this. And... Um, then in, in Acts chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The next thing I see in here in this passage is Pentecost is for every believer. Pentecost is for every believer. Um, the Bible says they were all filled. Not some of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Now, when we look at this, the, the, the scripture says that 
tongues of fire began to rest on them. And this is where I believe some people get a little sideways with the Holy Spirit. If you look at this passage in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that after the Holy Spirit came, there was a violent wind, there was a, a, a rush from heaven, the, the power of the Holy Spirit came, came on the believers who were there that were gathered in the upper room, the Bible says. The Holy Spirit came, and then what, what happened? Then they said they began to utter an utterance, they began to speak in other tongues. Uh, many people believe that the reason the Holy Spirit was given was for tongues, but the Bible makes it clear that tongues was the evidence of the Holy Spirit, not the reason for the Holy Spirit. And charismatics, we have to be careful. And I'm calling myself a charismatic. I grew up in a Baptist church. We, we, we got to be careful. We get so hung up on tongues that we forget about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And we think that that's all it is. Tongues was the evidence of the Holy Spirit, that you had received the, the, the Holy Spirit. So a lot of times I think what happens to charismatics we, we kind of scare people off because all we want to do is talk about the tongue aspect, not the Holy Spirit aspect. And then other people who just basically say, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit, well, they're missing out completely because they just like, well, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit, so I'm not going to study that. I'm not going to understand that. It doesn't work that way. Remember what I told y'all. Anytime you're studying any subject about the Bible, where do you go to get your understanding about that subject? Scripture. Scripture has to be your guide. Now, we get commentaries and we get other men of God that, that have wisdom, that read the Bible, they, 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 they understand all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the Bible has to be your guide. Not the guy writing blogs and the guy on TV and all that kind of stuff. Those guys are smart and they probably know a lot of stuff. God's a lot smarter than they are. I want to know what does God say. So always let, in any subject that you decide that you want to dive into about the Bible, always let Scripture be your guide. Not man, not religion. What does the Bible say? And th th this, is what, this is what the Bible says. So, um, so tongues was the, was the evidence. The other thing is, and many people say that, and, and I've heard people say this before, and this was, what, this was the belief of the Baptist church, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was a one-time event. In other words, the, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit that came down on the day of Pentecost was for every believer. And, and that was a one-time event. And, and, and everybody at that point who receives Christ was, was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Baptists and other denominations believe that, that, that you, you are filled with the Holy Spirit the moment that you were saved. But if you read the Bible, that's not true. See, again, what does the Bible say? That's what the Baptist says. That's what he says. That's what she says. What does the Bible say? Well, the Holy Spirit came down in Acts chapter 2. I'm not really good at math, but in Acts chapter 8, which is six chapters later, something else happened late after, after the day of Pentecost. Look at this in Acts chapter 8. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what the Bible says. Now, see, when I was in a Baptist church, we didn't read that. So when Brother Carl says it sometimes, you know, if you're going to believe the way some denominations believe, guess what you got to start doing? you got to start ripping pages out the Bible. 
that, that's what you have to do. In other words, you can't say, you can't say as a believer, I believe the Bible, but only this part of the Bible. Or I believe the Bible because this is what I like or what I understand. No, it doesn't work that way. I believe all of the Bible. And the, and the God will give me understanding and revelation as to what as to what the entire what the entire Bible says. So this this scripture here is, is amazing and it says it's 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 so obvious. The believers here in Samaria, they had received the baptism, they had received the Lord Jesus Christ. They were they were Christians, they were believers, but the Bible says they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. So this tells us what? That the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct event separate from the moment of salvation. It's something that happens separate. Yes, you were saved by the Holy Spirit. You cannot be born again without the conviction of the Holy Ghost. There's no way that you can do that. But the Bible talks about a filling of the Holy Spirit, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, God said. So, so it's a separate event. So it's nothing to be afraid of. It's something to be excited about. See, the Jews... In the, in the Old Testament, they, they were celebrating, they were really celebrating a physical deliverance, a, a physical deliverance from Egypt. We're celebrating a spiritual deliverance. We've been saved and born again. We, we have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. That, that, that's what we do. That, that, that's, what we, that's what we celebrate. So it, it is so important, and I'm going to preach the next two weeks on the, on the rest of Acts chapter 2, but it is so important and critical for us as Christians. You, See, you have, to, you have to understand what you believe. Like, why do I believe that? What is Pentecost? What does that day mean? What significance does that have in, in my life as a believer? And, you know, the other thing, when, when people say that, the, they say the filling of the Holy Spirit was only in Acts chapter 2, and, and when, the, when the baptism came in Acts chapter 2, it was, it was a filling for the entire church. That was, that was even, even us today. Well, nowhere in the book of Acts does the Bible say, look, I'm going to draw a line right here, and this is where it stops? It doesn't say that. It, I don't see that in there. For all practical purposes, we are still the church in Acts. It never stopped. It's a, it's a, it's a continuation of what, it, what has taken place. It's the New Testament church. There's no, there's no, like, there's no way where the Bible says this happened then, and this stops, and then you do this. It doesn't say that. That's what man says. What does God say? Our sign out there says spirit filled. We, we do that really to let someone know that's curious, that people are curious. They want to know, what do you believe? That, they, they should want to know that. I, I think you should. You, you should ask those questions. So we make that real clear and very evident that we, we believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the baptism. We're a spirit-filled church. But it's not because that's what the tabernacle church says. That's what God says. They were all filled. So instead of sitting back and saying, you know, I, I don't know if this Holy Spirit stuff's for me. It's for you. It's for all of us. I told Brother Carl, when Laurie and I joined the church, and we, we, when we joined the church back in Shamat, we were Assembly of God Tabernacle. And when I was in the Baptist church, we used to think those people were nuts. <laughs> I'm talking nuts. I told you a friend of mine, this guy Paul, I went to high school with, he, 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 he was in the Baptist church. He would go visit some of these Pentecostal churches, and he'd come back. He, he, would, he, would, he would get in my face and say, Dave. He goes, Dave, you're not going to believe it. I said, well, Paul, he goes, they were running around the church. I'm like, you know what I said? I don't want to go there. 
But you know what? We should be running. We should be running around the church. If, if we, if we do, not, not, not for like emotion. It's not an emotional thing. It's a real thing. God has changed us. God has saved us. It's not wrong to get excited about what God has done for us. We, you know, I got all excited about the football games this weekend, about the Saints. They're blowing it all up already. I get all excited about that. Why you can't get excited like that about Jesus? That's what God wants. So the day of Pentecost was a day of celebration. And then the Bible says, now look, the fullness, now the fullness of Pentecost. This is the, look, what is saying? This is the real reason of Pentecost. The complete picture is given now. See, see, Jesus fulfilled everything. That's what I love. We're studying the book of Hebrews in our life groups. Hebrews goes back and shows you what everything in the Old Testament was fulfilled by who? By Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. I love that. I love when the New Testament goes back and takes from the old and, and, and it shows you how the two are tied together. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of the Bible. But see, I know what's coming next. We're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, that, that's, I told Brother Carl when, when Laurie and I came, you can start playing that music, please, Eli. When, I, when we came to the church, the, the church in uh, Chalmette, and again, it was the Assembly of God Tabernacle, um, I told Brother Carl, I said, listen, I said, I don't understand this stuff, but if the Bible says it's for me, I want it. And Brother Carl says, if you don't want it, he'll take it. <laughs> I love that. He goes, you don't want that? That's fine. I'll take it. I like that. But that's what I told him. I said, look, and I, and I had to confess. We, these things were not, like what I'm, this, this was like a preaching, but it was really a teaching. We're, we're, we're teaching scripture here. This is what the Bible says. It, it's not an emotional thing. Where, and, and even now, you know, sometimes when we, when we prepare to do something like this, I feel like sometimes we think, well, I got to, I got to like get the feeling I don't see the book of Acts. There was no feeling. Jesus said, go and wait. Go in the upper room, Jesus said, and wait. That's all he said. He didn't say, conjure up a feeling. And when, 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 in Acts chapter 8, when, when, they, when they came to Samaria and the disciples, like, there, wasn't, there wasn't no music in the background. There wasn't air conditioning blowing and soft seats and all this kind of stuff. They were just probably in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing. And they laid hands, the Bible says, and all they did is receive the Holy Spirit. And they received the Holy Spirit. So it's not a, it's not a like, well, I don't feel it. It ain't a feeling, it's a truth. Jesus says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. He didn't say you shall know a feeling, and the feeling, you shall know the truth. This is truth. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want the Holy Spirit. So I told Brother Carl, and then we, 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 we went to the front, Week after week, we prayed for the Holy Spirit, and not, not, nothing happened. And we were in Bogota, Colombia, at a, at a big, big church service over there. And it was in a big coliseum. Must have been probably 30,000 people, I think. 35,000 in the coliseum. And the pastor was up on the, on the uh, he was on the stage at the bottom. And we were way up at the top. It was like, a, it was like an arena, like a big uh, basketball arena, or even bigger than that. It was huge. And he said something I had never heard before. And when he prayed, he said, this is how our church prays. Because we were coming from all over you know, the United States. People were coming to see what God was, the move of God that was happening in this church. And so when he went up to pray before, when the service began, he was telling us, this is what our church does. And when he got to the part about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, most people say, I'm going to pray so you can receive the Holy Spirit. He said, 
I'm going to pray and you will receive the Holy Spirit. He said that. So as soon as I heard that, I'm like, that's me. He said, he said, you will receive the Holy Spirit. So I'm there standing. He can't even see me. Like way up there. And I got, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit right there in that Coliseum and began to speak in tongues. So tongues are the evidence. That's the evidence. We need the power. Jesus said, you shall receive power to do what? To be my witnesses. It's the power that we need. Amen? Amen. So stand to your feet, please.